0: Welcome to the longest rainy Sunday podcast, a production by Emory University students and David Morgan's Play Make Right Simpler. Time has stopped. Everything is imploded. We're physically distanced and socially disconnected as a pandemic and fights for justice rage around us.
1: The world might be forever changed after the events of 2020, but where does that leave us in the meantime? It's felt to a lot of us like one almost unending rainy afternoon staring at video screens either to escape, to connect, or to imagine a better way forward.
2: Even the World Health Organization, one year after designating video game addiction as a mental health disorder, is now urging people to play more video games,
1: celebrating the important messages that the video games industry can communicate. So in this series, We'll turn our critical gaze to the games we have been playing. Examine what they have to offer right now.
2: How do these games define identity? Foster a sense of belonging? Encourage empathy or subvert systems? How do they encourage certain types of problem solving and learning? What sorts of values do they promote?
0: The world hit pause, so let's hit play.
1: While baseball may still be on books as America's favorite pastime, it's very clearly no longer America's favorite sport. As baseball fans clutch onto their pre-war glory days of the previous century, filled with legends like Babe Ruth and Joe DiMaggio, they stay like that, memories from a time long ago. Slowly fading into obscurity with lowered fan attendance and network ratings, the future of sports has pivoted towards more action-packed games. Things like football and basketball, Football in particular, gridiron football, a game so American no one else outside of the hemisphere plays it, has been a shining success in usurping the throne as a cultural mainstay, with games regularly topping viewership records and the cementing of the Super Bowl as a national holiday. With this huge boom in popularity during the information age, football specifically has experienced the
0: effect of a novel interloper:
1: fantasy leagues.
0: If you were to look up fantasy football psychology right now, numerous articles having to do with health dangers come up. Healthline and Psychology Today, for example, ask questions like, is fantasy football good for your health? And what are the dangers of fantasy football? In the titles of their articles. While some of the articles that actually support fantasy football still do something similar, with titles such as, Five Ways Fantasy Football is Actually Good for Your Health. The word actually, of course, implying that the contrary is the accepted norm. So what makes fantasy football so, well, dangerous? Do these claims hold true in any way?
2: Let's start with an explanation of fantasy football. Fantasy football can be played through an app on one's phone or online, all for free. And the idea is that you draft players at offensive positions, and the way players perform on that given day directly correlates to the amount of points they get touchdowns, for example, are worth 6 points while yards are worth 0.1 points, meaning that if a player were to score a 10-yard touchdown, they would get 7 points on that play. Each player starts with a set number of players at each position and in a matchup. Whichever team has more points is the winner. The objective is to win the game, which can be done by getting players to score many points, meaning, of course, players who are good. So, as many know, A lot of workplaces
1: and groups of friends get together and do fantasy football pools, like how me and my friends did during quarantine this year. We were always big into football, talking about NFL, and going to high school games. But when we were robbed of that opportunity during due to COVID, we were able to kind of make up for the fact by getting a pool together, putting some money in, and watching the NFL season by playing some fantasy on the side.
0: I can agree with that. Um, My friends also did our draft kind of at the end of quarantine. And I I can go so far as to say that fantasy football does a really good job of people, of keeping people together. Um, Sometimes it's difficult to keep in touch with friends from high school or family members uh, that live in different parts of the world. But I can say that me and my friends, uh, as well as me and my family members and my friends and their family members are able to stay connected through fantasy football. Um, so it's really, impo- it's, it's another great example of the way fantasy football offers so much for us, more so than the way that uh, the media represents. Now, some people might say that, yes, there's an element of prediction and uh, gambling, but, but with, is fantasy football you know, luck-based gambling in any sense?
1: If you look at it from the outside, it may seem like it's just a lot of people who are into sports betting, but it's really very different from like shady bookies and broken kneecaps that are all commonly associated with sports betting. It's really a game. This game has actual repercussions into the game, the sport of football and the whole sphere of sports and football entertainment developing more and more due to the recent boom in popularity gained by NFL. As more fans begin to enter leagues, picking their rosters and watching performances as they compete, the NFL and networks notice that more eyes are looking at more games. And as any smart profiteer would know, more eyes watching means more money. Looking at cable television, networks like ESPN, NFL Network, Red Zone, and even dedicated streaming services have all come up in order to meet the demand for more football in the age of fantasy.
0: Fantasy players can take the game casually, uh, picking players they personally like, players they heard of, uh, players that they heard of being good. Uh, they can pick their favorite team's roster, or they can play fantasy like they are general managers of an actual professional team. Players can start going through analytics, looking at performance statistics, analyzing risk of injury checking one-on-one matchups in upcoming games, and doing cost-benefit analysis of player versus benching a specific player. Managing your fantasy team can be more than just blind support or sports betting. It can be an analytical task and an exercise in decision-making. But apart from this, you might be asking, how does fantasy football actually make us better? So in a recent observational study taken at the University of Wisconsin, La Crosse, the authors, Kyle Collins and Adam Hoffer, were curious about the same thing. The study featured a class of both male and female economic students that learned how to play fantasy football while both learning and applying their understanding of economic concepts like opportunity cost, supply and demand, and comparative advantage through trade. And students then capitalized on these skills in their economic quote-unquote toolbox in an attempt to lead their team's success through wins. The results of this study showed two particularly fascinating things. Firstly, Students can learn a lot from fantasy football. There are numerous key tenets of economics in which fantasy football can teach important values. Take comparative advantage, for example. A, a, a comparative advantage is an economic concept that, at the world scale, suggests nations should specialize in the products where they are the strongest. Take, for example, Yonoland, a fictional island nation in the bountiful Pacific Ocean, where there's a lot of great fish and thus fishing. Ranjanville, on the other hand, is a huge nation that has great access to petroleum. It would make sense for Ranjanville to specialize in oil and industrialization because it's more profitable for them to do so. The vice versa holds true for Yonoland. Yonoland would take, it would not make sense for them to pay a lot of money to create industry and factories, whereas for Ranjanville it would. This is a pretty complicated topic, perhaps you can tell and most economic PhD students will likely agree with you there. Even though it's so complicated, though, fantasy football makes it quite simple to understand and even apply in real life. Team owners that are strong at particular positions quickly realize that the best way for them to hold on to wins and to make use of the value at that position is to trade those players that are the excess and the players that they have at those positions that are very good in exchange for players that they don't have... uh, Good players for in that position. This is just one example of the way fantasy football demonstrates an aspect of economics. There are many other ways where fantasy team owners can learn important concepts without even realizing it. Another fascinating point brought up by the study was that although males
1: typically know more about the NFL than women, stereotypically, they're not better at fantasy. The study showed that while males scored more fantasy points than females, Females had more wins and understood the actual concepts behind the game, the economic concepts, better. But more importantly, the difference between males and females were not even statistically significant, meaning that the results between were too close so that you can basically write off and accept the fact that males and females are basically the same at fantasy. It shows that football may be something enjoyed by A football bro but fantasy football is a great equalizer for all football fans no matter your physical size strength or ability it's all about the love of the game
2: playing fantasy football as well as other fantasy sports provides team owners with important life skills in real-world economics pattern identification as well as many others although time-consuming fantasy football is a great game to play during quarantine it does a great job of connecting people while also developing key skills.
1: Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Longest Rainy
2: Sunday.